0: turn to scripture, we will read from, we'll read from James 3, the first 12 verses, James 3, the first 12 verses, and the text will be from, uh, from verse 5b to 12, verse 5b to 12. read God's Word. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For if we stumble in many things, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Instead, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and broasts great things. And here begins our text. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, And with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Thus... No spring yields both salt water and fresh. So far. Now it's been a a good while ago that I read part one of this sermon. So I don't expect that you can remember that. But this is part two. The sermon is titled, Who Can Tame the Tongue? Who Can Tame the Tongue? Have you ever been on a vacation and traveled through a certain region where there was mile and mile after unsightly charred stumps the evidence of a forest fire? Have you ever watched the news have you ever watched on the news a home or an apartment building going up in flames and have you ever seen a large building reduced to rubble and ashes in a very short time? Years ago Thirty-two seniors died as fire swept through a Quebec nursing home in the early morning hours. Fire can certainly have devastating effects. In the epistle of James, we learn much about the relationship between faith and works. And James reminds us that faith without works is dead. Genuine faith is expressed through acts of loving obedience to God. Well, here in chapter 3, James tells us that genuine faith affects the way we use our tongues. As we looked earlier in verses 1 through 5a, we saw how James provided us with three word pictures. The first was that of a horse and a bit. The second was that of a ship and a rudder. In both cases, something small controls something big. As a small bit in the mouth of a large horse determines the direction of the horse, and as the small rudder of a ship determines the direction of a ship, so the tongue can determine the direction of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. Now this morning we move to analogy three, that of a massive fire and a small spark. The third analogy gives us even fuller picture regarding the destructive power of the tongue. From verses 5b to 12, there are three things we want to consider. For one, the tongue is devilish. Two, the tongue is poisonous. And three, the tongue is capricious. First of all, the tongue is devilish. Have a look at me with verses 5b to 6. How great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. This is very strong language. The tongue is compared to a fire which devours. Children, have you ever read a story about a fire-breathing dragon, a dragon who incinerates everything in front of him? Fire-breathing dragons are described in ancient legends from all over the world. Even the Bible seems to mention a fire-breathing dragon of some sort. Job speaks of an animal called the leviathan, which could breathe out fire. Job 41.19 says, Out of his mouth go flaming torches. Sparks, le- sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils come forth smoke, as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals. And a flame comes forth from his mouth. <clears throat> I don't know what kind of an animal Job is talking about, but Leviathan certainly sounds like some kind of fire-breathing creature. Well, that's the kind. Well, that's what the human race is like. We are fire-breathing creatures. The fiery tongue of which James speaks destroys people. We all know how small. How a small fire can spread, destroying everything in its path. A small spark can grow into a massive forest fire, destroying thousands of acres of forest. Millions of dollars of worth of lumber can go up and smoke because of one carelessly lit match, or one carelessly discarded cigarette butt. Wildlife, human life, homes, cottages, and barns can all be destroyed as the fire is carried along by the wind congregation james says the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness it can be incredibly destructive when used in the wrong way it can destroy friendships and marriages homes churches youth groups christian schools it can destroy reputations careers corporations and even nations Have you ever heard of a mother speaking with a fiery tongue at the grocery store to her little son or daughter, scolding her child, saying something like, You are such a nuisance. Why do you make make life so difficult for me? Why can't you behave like other children in the store? Why do you have to be so irritating? If that mother spoke that way in public, I wonder what she says in private. I suspect that mother's fiery tongue is leaving lasting scars on a little child. Are we sometimes like that? Without even knowing it, do we say rude and nasty things to people around us without considering the wounds that we are inflicting? Carelessly spoken words can do untold damage. Gossip is like a fire that cannot be quenched, rumors are like fires that cannot be contained. Hateful words, slanderous words, complaining words, critical words, sarcastic words, flattering words even, seductive words, all have the power to destroy. Why? Why is it that some church congregational meetings are not meetings that people look forward to and rejoice in? Sometimes congregational meetings are attended merely out of duty rather than out of joy. That is is so in various churches of every denominational stripe. Why is that so? Should not a congregational meeting be times of positive fellowship and rejoicing in the goodness of God? Should they not be times when our unity in Christ is expressed, times of mutual encouragement and edification, opportunity to give thanks for the goodness of God? Why is it that Ruin, what is it that can ruin a congregational meeting? Is it not a fiery tongue? That little part of the human body can quickly ruin a whole meeting and make everyone return to their homes discouraged, distressed, and even deflated. Sometimes one person will no longer speak to another person because of a fiery word. They ignore each other for years because of things that have been said. How dangerous. How perilous the fiery tongue can be. Why is it that some children don't want to go to school? Isn't it sometimes because of the cruel things that have been said to them? You're stupid. You're fat. You're skinny. You're ugly. You're not good at sports. No one wants to play with me. And even, as it has been said, four eyes for those of us that wear glasses. I know some adults who remember the words and can still feel the pain 30 or 40 years later. Of course, of course, they've gone on with life, but some still bear the scars of those little fire-breathing dragons in their class. Why is it that some young people don't want to go to their church youth group meetings? Why is it that some husbands don't want to go home to their wife after work? And why is it that some husbands prefer that their husbands stay as long as possible at work? Isn't it often because of tongues that burn like fire? Notice the language that James uses in verse 6. These are some of the strongest statements on the danger of the tongue that can be found in Scripture. After comparing the tongue to fire, James says, It is a world of unrighteousness, or a world of iniquity. What does that mean? It seems to suggest that the tongue contains within it the sins of the fallen world. The evils of this fallen world find expression in the tongue. Calvin said a slender portion of flesh contains the whole world of iniquity. One commentator described the tongue as a microcosm, a concentration point of this world's evils. Then in verse 6 also says that the tongue stains or defiles the whole body. A corrupt tongue blemishes your whole personality. The sins of the tongue pollute the whole person. What this means is that the tongue not only damages others, but it also has harmful effects on the person himself. While he harms others, He also harms himself in the process. His tongue stains, dirties, and pollutes pollutes the whole body. Furthermore, we also read in verse 6 that the tongue sets on fire the entire course of life. This is a rather difficult phrase to interpret, but it seems to indicate that the destructive power of the tongue affects every facet of human existence. Existence. <clears throat> it affects and penetrates every area of life. It's like a moving train that is on fire, setting the ground on fire as it moves along. That's the image here. A fiery tongue can seriously affect a person's life. He may have a hard time holding down a job. He may have a hard time keeping customers. He may have a hard time keeping friends. He may find it very difficult to keep. Employees. He may discover that people don't want to be around him very much. They don't invite him over for supper because they don't enjoy having a fire-breathing dragon at their table. You see, it affects his life in every way, in all circumstances. Congregation, where does this enormously destructive power of the tongue come from? What does James tell us? Look at the end of verse 6. The corrupt tongue is set on fire by what? By hell. The destructive fire of the tongue is kindled by Satan himself. A corrupt tongue is Satan's tool used to stain, defile, pollute, and destroy. When the tongue is not rightly bridled, it accomplishes the purposes of hell. It is used by Satan to break down the kingdom of God and to advance the works of darkness. Let us bear this in mind, congregation. Let us ask God that our tongues would not be used as a tool of Satan. Children, young people, pray that your tongue would be controlled by the Spirit of God rather than by the powers of hell. When our words are inappropriate, mean-spirited, vengeful, dirty, seductive, hateful, and so on, we are doing the devil's work. When you lash out at your spouse, you are doing the devil's work. When you call your son a worthless so-and-so, you are doing the devil's work. When you speak cruelly to a fellow student in school, and when you call him or her names, or when you talk back disrespectfully to your teacher or to your parents, you are doing the devil's work. When you pass on gossip, unkind rumors, slander, dirty jokes, or sexual innuendo, you are doing the devil's work. Sometimes we need to honestly confess, Lord, those words I just spoke originated in hell. My tongue has been devilish. I've been doing Satan's work. Forgive me, Lord. I have breathed out hellish fire in my home. I have done harm to your church. I have left scars on your people. My tongue is a world of unrighteousness. It stains my whole body. And it seems to penetrate every area of my life. Please forgive me and change me. Brothers and sisters, sometimes people excuse a devilish tongue by saying, That's just the way I am. I say it as it is. I don't mince words. I'm a straightforward kind of guy. I'm honest. And I tell people exactly what I think. Of course, it is good to be honest. But sometimes people take pride in their blunt approach, not realizing the damage they are doing, and not realizing that the scorching fire in their words is kindled by Satan and comes directly from hell. We do well to ask ourselves on a daily basis, is my tongue, as Proverbs says, a fountain of life? Does my tongue bring healing? Or are there times when my tongue is controlled by the powers of hell? Are there moments when I am a fire-breathing dragon, just like the dragon of hell, the devil himself? Dear friends, we cannot imagine what hell will be like. Not only is it a place where sinners experience the eternal wrath of a just God, but it is also a place where unsaved sinners will never, never, never hear or speak an edifying or encouraging, healing, soothing word. Never. The lost in hell will never hear or speak a hopeful word. The tongues of the unsaved will be set on fire by hell forever. The only way to be rescued from that terrible prospect is through faith in the one whose tongue remained entirely pure, the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, the devilish tongue of which James speaks is set on fire by hell is also a poisonous tongue. In verses 7 to 8, James compares the taming of the tongue to the taming of wild beasts. Have a look at verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. While man is able to tame great creatures both land and sea, his own tongue is unmanageable. As you know, animal trainers can do amazing things. They can train massive elephants to do exactly what they want them to do. They can train a parrot to ride a small bicycle across a tightrope. They can train birds to swoop over the audience and come back again. They can train sea lions and killer whales to do all kinds of fascinating tricks showering the audience in the stands and so on. They can train bears to skate play hockey, and lions and tigers, you name it, have been trained to perform. It is said that dolphins are trained for military purposes. The United States has used them to rescue lost naval swimmers and to locate underwater mines. Apparently, military dolphins were used in the U.S. Navy during the First and Second Gulf Wars. Because of the fact that we are created in God's image and have been given dominion over all of creation and because human nature is superior to animals, we have the ability to tame every kind of beast and find pleasure in them. Of course, bearing in mind what scripture says, whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast. So in taming and training, scripture does say, whoever is righteous has, has needs to have regard for the life of his beast. But congregation, while mankind is able to do all these great things with every kind of creature, at the same time, he is unable to control his own tongue. He has better success training an elephant to stand on his hind legs than he does training his tongue to bring it into submission. The tongue is worse than the wildest beast. The end of verse 8 says, just like a snake, it is full of deadly poison. The bite of a rattlesnake can bring death. And so the poison that comes from the tongue is deadly. Can you imagine being bitten by a deadly poisonous snake? Well, James compares the effects of the tongue the poison in a snake. Verse 8 says, It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Picture a poisonous serpent in a cage striking fiercely against the sides of the cage in an attempt to escape. He is restless and he strikes until he is free. Free to spread his deadly poison. So is the tongue. It cannot be tamed by men. It is restless it seeks a way to escape in order to spread its deadly poison. Speaking of the tongues of sinners, David said in Psalm 58 verse 4, Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the, de- like the deaf cobra that stops its ear, which will not heed the voice of the charmers, charming ever so skillfully. What an ugly picture, brothers and sisters, apart from the grace of God, Our our tongues are wild and uncontrollable, undisciplined, irresponsible, and full of deadly poison. How we need the grace of God to tame the untamable. Our tongue is wilder than the wildest beast and more poisoned than a deadly snake. And only God has the power to make the words of our mouth acceptable in his sight. Only God is able to set guard over the door of our lips and sanctify our tongue for his honor. If you are discouraged by the restlessness of your poison tongue, remember that God is greater than your tongue. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he can change you. Galatians 5 verse 22 says, by the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. The indwelling spirit grants to us the fruit of self-control, self-control, which affects the use of our tongues. Yield to the spirit of God and ask him to control your tongue. Holy Spirit, help me from saying things that inject deadly poison into the lives of others. I want to control this tongue. Well, congregation, as we move to verses 9 through 12, we see how James concludes this section by pointing out that the tongue is capricious. Point three that the tongue is capricious. The tongue is unpredictable and inconsistent. Follow along with me, please, from verse 9. The same tongue, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. The tongue can be used in a wonderful way, James says. With it we bless our Lord and Father. To bless is to speak well of, to extol, We use our tongues to sing beautiful hymns and psalms in church for the glory of God. We can lift up our voices in adoration. We can sing with such beautiful, majestic, and reverent language. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days. Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. This morning, we have used our tongues to bless and to extol our Lord and Father. If we approach Him through faith in the crucified and resurrected Jesus, we can know that He takes pleasure in our worship. He enjoys hearing your songs of praise, songs that flow from a repentant and redeemed heart. And after the service, as you speak to one another, you can use your tongues to extol the Lord and Father, to bless His name. You can You can speak to one another of his greatness, of his love, and of his grace. However, James tells us that it is a gross inconsistency to use that same tongue to speak angry and abusive words to those who are made in the likeness of God. In his book, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan described a man named Talkative. Talkative was... A saint abroad and a devil at home. Perhaps we could modify that to say a saint at church and a devil at home. Does that describe any of us? How can we sing such beautiful songs in worship and talk of his majesty to one another in the fellowship hall and then go and speak like the devil to our families? How can we say such wonderful things here and such wicked things to our spouse and children? Or how can we praise God here and then go out and say such nasty things about Mr. So-and-so behind his back? With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with the same tongue, we dishonor those who are made in his image How can the tongue be so capricious, so fickle, and so tragically inconsistent? How can we stand in church saying, My God, how wonderful thou art, thy majesty how bright, how beautiful thy mercy seat in depths of burning light? How can we sing such songs in praise to God and then depart from here with gossip and slander on our tongues? How can we bless our Lord and Father and then bark unreasonably at our husband, our wife, our children, our neighbors, our parents, our teachers, our friends, and even our classmates? Or how can we worship on Sunday and curse with our fellow workers on Monday? How can we sing with gusto in the church and curse our opponent at the hockey game during the week? It happens all too often that people speak with pious tongues on Sunday, even expressing joy at being in the house of God. But on Monday, the very same tongue utters profanities in the factory, in the office, at school, at work, or while dealing with a stubborn customer, tragically inconsistent. How can we praise our God? How can we bless our Lord and Father and then go to murder someone's reputation with a devilish and poisonous tongue? Tragically capricious. If we are honest, we have to admit that all of us are guilty to some degree. We all speak words that are not fitting from the mouth of a Christian. We all say things that are inappropriate and sinful. We all have been guilty of one, to one degree or another of gossip, of slander, and verbal discrediting the character of a brother or a sister. But James says to us this morning, It doesn't make any sense, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Our worship and our life should be consistent. Sundays and Mondays should be consistent. Our love for God should be reflected in the way we speak about our fellow man. Our tongue, should be, our, our tongue should send a consistent message, blessing our Lord and Father and edifying those who are made in his likeness. James expands on this truth by once again using some illustrations. Go to verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. The same spring cannot produce two totally different types of water. A fig tree or a grapevine cannot produce two totally different fruits. A spring cannot produce salt water and fresh water at the same time. No rational person would ever suggest such a thing would be possible. Then, then how is it that we take for granted in the realm of nature, we, then how is it that we can take for granted in the realm of nature and we so easily neglect to apply it in our own life? With our tongue we bless God and with our tongue we dishonor those who are made in his image. My brothers, says James, These things ought not to be so. Congregation, if these words convict your heart this morning, if they trouble your conscience, if you feel as though your tongue is frequently devilish, poisonous, and capricious, if you feel like a failure, if your heart troubles you because that little bit of flesh between your jaws continues to kindle fires, I want to remind you that there is forgiveness through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, there is forgiveness in him. Our Lord Jesus went to the cross to pay for sin, also the sins of your tongue. Our Lord Jesus himself was never, never devilish, poisonous, or capricious with his tongue. He used his tongue in a consistently righteous manner. His daily conversion was without fault. His daily conversation was without fault. His interaction at home, his interaction with customers at Joseph's workshop, his interaction in the marketplace and his teaching in the synagogues and at the seaside. Every word was pure. Our Lord Jesus was the only man who ever lived who had the ability to tame the untamable. He was like a spring that sends forth only fresh water. With his tongue he blessed his heavenly father and with his tongue he spoke words of life to those who are made in the likeness of God. Even as people mocked him, slandered him, and crucified him, he never transgressed with his tongue. It remained pure and holy and sanctified. If we trust in him and repent in our heart, all the filth that has come From our tongue is washed away. We are entirely cleansed through Jesus so that in eternity we will praise him with uncontaminated lips. No more defilement, no more devilish, poisonous, and capricious words, no more inconsistencies. We will praise our Savior with a tongue that is tamed, and our praises will never end. Until that day, congregation, let us strive to be faithful. When you fail, and you will, repent and come to him, saying, Lord, by your Spirit, help me to speak those things which bring honor to Christ and joy to your people. Our tongues reveal the source of control in our lives. Are we controlled by the Spirit of God, or are we controlled by our old sin nature? When you go to a doctor, He can determine much about your physical health by what? By looking at your tongue. The same is true with respect to your spiritual health. What comes from your tongue determines what is inside. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. May God the Holy Spirit transform us inwardly so that our tongues reveal that he is the source of control. Through faith in Jesus, our tongues are under new management, managed by the Spirit of God. Let us pray.